Good evening. All right. Good to be together. Not forsaking the assembling is, is the habit of some. Won't point out any individuals. <coughs> Vicki, do you want to say anything? wanted to thank everybody for praying for me. Um, the Lord answered our prayers just the way we requested them. So they didn't see anything there in my CT scan. And I really do attribute that to what was prophesied over me and the prayers here. I really appreciate it. I was um, listening to that song when I got the call. Um, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And when that call came in and I just hung up and was very humbled by the whole thing and just really thank the Lord. So thank you all. So we're just going to have her go ahead and stop coughing. Yeah. Yeah. Along no, with your wife. No need for it, yes. All right. Yeah, my wife sounded a little better today. Let's see. All right. Lord God, we look to you. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness toward us, Lord. Lord, perfect our faithfulness toward you. Thank you for this time to gather in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's move out here. Right. The name of the Lord is strong and
It was in one place that they, uh, in, in the same location, same city, but two different uh, churches. And they don't, they, ha- they don't have anything to do with each other. And I was in a meeting um, before I went to the opposing group uh, because I was going to the opposing group and they had a meeting and they were, wanted me filled in uh, to see if I could be discouraged. And um, <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I said, you know, really there's one, there's only one body of Christ. And there's not two or three or four or five and there's really only one Lord. And we ought to really remember that. Because we pick and choose, we think this, we think that, and really we don't know. And um, I, said, I said, they're part of the fellowship like you are. They're part of the body like you are. And so uh, that's why I'm going to go over there. And um, then I talked to the other guy and he, I asked, do they have any con? No, no. Anyway, it's just been a long-standing issue. And it's sad because uh, with all the services that we have, you'd hope that something would stick, right? And, and those things could be resolved. And I understand it's not automatic for stuff to be resolved. But really, um, really, we're talking about uh, the power of Christ resting upon us. And because of the power of Christ, that's why we can walk together. I, I know we all understand it's not unity of the soul that we're searching out. It's unity of the spirit. That's the only place we have any oneness and unity. And I was struck when I came home how much that God really is, um, is uh, bringing together a family. And, 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 and I just want to talk about it right here. Right here he's bringing together a family. And a lot has changed over the years in this community because we've discovered, I think, that family doesn't happen um, you know, outside in. It, it's got to happen inside out. And, and we have a great infrastructure and it's gotten better. And, and um, you know, the, the structure that we have here and the, the, um, the, the place actually that God has provided, very thankful for. And, um, but <clears throat> I think we all understand that, um, that in God bringing forth a family, it's not because we came to community it's because God birthed that in our hearts, and so then we, we decided to get together, or God led us that way, or the fellowships. They, I mean, the com- community is a broad term, and we have a certain type of community, but it, we're really talking about fellowship uh, of the Spirit. We're talking about fellowship with the Father and with the Son, and hence we can have fellowship with each other. That's what we're talking about. And so the, in Ephesians 3, there's an important scripture, perhaps, that, that says... Um, Verse 14. um, Because it it talks about the name of the family. And it says, uh, Ephesians 3.14, For this cause, Paul is saying, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family is named... (coughs) Christ. The whole family is Christ. And the life that you now live, in fact, is Christ. That's the family that we're a part of. Um, And it goes on and it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit and in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love 
<clears throat> may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. <clears throat> See, that is what is going on. Um, it says that, that God is, what's, what this is saying is that there's a family that God is bringing forth. The whole family in heaven and earth, those that are, are Christ's, those that are part of Christ, that whole family God is uh, bringing together. That is the family, and that's the family name. And when we say the family name, that means the family character, um, the substance. And really what it means is the source of life. Somebody could have said amen. Christ is the source of life that brings the family together. So when we talk about family, we're not just talking about in name only. We're talking about in substance, in character. We're talking about in the source of life. So that's why we can walk together. That's why we can actually grow into the kind of family that God desires. Um, of course, it says in Ephesians 1 that he's going to gather together and one all things in Christ. And... Um, the reason this works is because God's in, intended, intention is this, for this to happen. Um, God intends to bring forth a family. So regardless of what I think any, on any given day, and can this be, it doesn't matter if I believe whether it can be or not. I mean, it matters for me. But it doesn't matter related to the intention and purpose of God because God is going to actually do that. And, and I trust we know that is actually where our confidence is. Our confidence is in the promise of God to perform what he said. The, our confidence is that he's brought forth Christ in us. And, and, and his intention wasn't for us to be birthed as babies uh, and to stay there, obviously, he wants us to grow up into, as it says in Ephesians 4, the fullness of the stature of Christ. Um, and he gives us a lot of stuff for that reason, right? He gives ministries for that reason. That's a, that was a big topic in a couple elders meetings. Um, you know, I, you know, I say things about meetings and um, I found that uh, it's another level when they're in another language. <laughs> And then you called upon to say something intelligent. <laughs> anyway, that was amusing. Um, Abel is doing his best to scramble and tell me what act, what's that. Because they say a lot of extra. <laughs> and finally, I was, in a, I was in one meeting after one of the conventions. And finally, this, this lady, this little lady, and she's probably in her upper 70s or something, but... She must weigh about 80 pounds, I don't know, but she's a fireball. And like, she just was giving me reams of information and Abel's trying to, and finally I went, not, I did this in Spanish and English, both. Um, and, and I said, this is too much, I mean, I just blew my circuit. This is too much information. <laughs> anyway, so she was quiet. Um,
But our confidence isn't because of what we see. Our confidence isn't in what appears. Our confidence is in the work of God to perform what He's promised by birthing Christ and growing us up into the fullness of Christ that we can truly be that family that is named Christ. Um, and as I said, the family name points to the source of life. And when we talk about the source of life, I'm talking about eternal life. Um, do a study in the Bible with eternal life, everlasting life. And that is the promise of God to us that whosoever believes, you know, in John 3, um, would receive eternal life, everlasting life. And um, Jesus uh, defines the, that in John 17. In John 17, uh, verse 3, and this is when he's, it says he lifts up his eyes to heaven and is, and is talking to his father. You know, I don't believe that, I mean, I know we lift up our eyes to heaven because God is, this, the, um, the thought is that God is up there. But God is not up there, like in the sky, right? Really, what it really means is that God is above humanity, right? It doesn't mean that God is living in the clouds. It means that God is above all humanity. He's above the earth, right? Uh, not terra firma. We're talking about above in every aspect of what that means. Magnificence, honor, wisdom, glory. He's above. And um, so Jesus has his, lifts his eyes up to heaven and he said this, actually in verse 3, is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Um, and so this whole thing really is about a relationship and a family. The whole thing. Life eternal is to know the Lord and His Son, Jesus Christ. It's about relationship. And I just want to say briefly, talk about that briefly, because maybe this will help us. And that is that this relationship is something that you sow to. That is, must grow. And in order for it to grow, you sow to it. And it's, it confirms that in Galatians 6, 8, it says, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow, in fact, to the spirit, you actually reap everlasting life. You reap this relationship. If you sow to this relationship. And, um, and I thought, well, how is it that you sow to this relationship? And it's what we talk about all the time. In Romans 12, where we offer ourselves 
the, you see, the thing that, the only thing you have to sow. <coughs> is you. That's what you have to sow. Sometimes we want to sow efforts, uh, you know, talents, uh, gifts. Um, but God, you know, God isn't interested necessarily in our human efforts, right? Or our human talents necessarily. He's there. I don't mean God didn't give us human talents. But really what God is interested in is that you and I sow ourselves to him. That's really the seed. <laughs> That's really what you and I are sowing. It's the Christ we sow. Here I am again. And we present ourselves as Romans 12 says. And we've heard about that over and over and over. But in order to sow to this relationship, uh, the only thing that God wants is you and me. So that though I have a lot of ideas of how many services I should be at, how many messages I should have to preach, how many meetings I should sit through, I have thoughts about all that. And uh, bless their hearts in Shalomi, they only had two services. I love those people. <laughs> They said four at first, and I asked for two, and they went with two. But I have thoughts about all those things. But if I am sowing myself, my, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not that I'm not honest with God. I mean, I tell God, look, I don't need all these services, and I don't think these people do either. I mean, really, I really got tired of hearing myself. I did. And... Um, Unfortunately, Abel was willing to speak, and at times, you know, he, he's not. He didn't like all those services either. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you are sowing yourself, you're not dictating what should happen to yourself. And neither am I, right? And... Um, That is the essence of what it takes for this relationship, which is eternal life, to grow. That, in fact, is the essence. It's sowing your, yourself. You said, here I am again. And, and I, don't, I have offered myself and then later in the day changed my mind. Right? And, and, but then what? Then you, again... Lord, I changed my mind, obviously. Or I didn't say, now I'm going to change my mind. I just went someplace, right? Went into the life of my soul. Uh, forgot I was Christ. Forgot Christ is my life. Oh, whatever it is. Um, this is a, 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 an ongoing process that every one of us is in. Um, so... This really is sowing. And there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4 that I'd like to read related to this. Because you and I know that when a seed goes into the ground, it dies. And, and I, you know, don't make uh, the death so elaborate. 
it's it's just many times being patient or staying under while what's happening to you is contrary to what you want to have happen. It's just contrary. Um, and uh, what did I say? Okay, well, I'm going to turn there now. 2 Corinthians 4. I think it's 10. <coughs> Verse 8. We are troubled on every side, but not distressed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So your job and my job is to sow ourselves, but it's not to raise ourselves. Because you and I can't raise ourselves. We just sow ourselves to the Lord. He chooses the ground. He chooses the weather. He chooses the, the rocks of offense. He chooses the kind of environmental factors of wind. And, and, and I, you, I am so impressed because everywhere I went, it was dry. The desert, I was, I'm so impressed with the desert that things grow there. It's unbelievable. My dad can tell you better, I'm sure. But so much grows there. And it, and it, and it doesn't look like it should. And, and uh, you and I, we don't choose the environment that God wants us to grow in. We, can't, we don't dictate it. That's antithetical to um, sowing to this relationship. Right? Uh, I'd like to sow in this deep, rich soil with the right kind of rain, the right amount, not too much, not too little, light winds, right? Um, they used to laugh at us all the time because we'd have prayer requests about the weather, right? And we wanted it to rain on the fields, but be dry for the concrete. I mean, we just... We needed to section it off, so I thought we should need, need to get a map. Okay, Lord, over here, we're going to need some rain. Over here, uh, well, these people going camping, they need sun. Okay. Over here, uh, anyway. Um, we do not produce the increase. God does. Um, and that's all, in the, all through the Bible. That God's the one that's in charge of the increase. And Ecclesiastes says, we don't even know how it happens. Right? In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, don't withhold. Right? We don't know how the bones grow. In the womb. All that. God's causing the increase. And you and I, that's where our confidence is. That is where the confidence is that it's not us that has to cause the increase. We don't have to make the family be, be, be the family it's supposed to be. That's why it's so silly when someone stands up and says, well, it's not a family like it should be. And they say, I'm out of here. Well, that's silly because it's not my idea and it wasn't your idea. It's God's idea. And let that rest in our hearts because it's God's idea. It will happen. I've got one job. 
I have one responsibility to sow. Sow myself again today. Lord, what do you want out of me? You know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't ask for, for uh, disaster. If you are, you're silly. And I don't ask for everything sunny all the time. I just say, here I am. Because the, the proverb says, feed me with food that's convenient. And guess what? I don't know what the food that's convenient. Food that was convenient for me on this trip was uh, guinea pig. What was so funny, and, I, and I'm glad once in a while I can find the humor in something. I mean, I you know, I didn't, like I said, I eat anything, but they have these cute little furry guinea pigs. They call them cooey. And they're in these cages, which I got to see them. And, but they talk about them like in this country, they talk about grass-fed beef, right? Grass-fed beef, just healthy, healthy meat that we partake of here and, and people pay a premium for at Whole Foods. And um, it's so good for you. And, and these guinea pig, these are alfalfa-fed guinea pig. Top of the rung. And um, they, uh, they, it was a big deal. I don't know how many of those they had to prepare, but it was a lot. Lift them out of little cages, you know. <laughs> I went out back and, and saw their, they had this big vat of oil they were frying, frying them in, you know. And they looked like they died, they died shocked, right? <laughs> And then they, uh, they, they quarter them, you know, and we all got a quarter. And they said, well, do you like it? I said, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, it was kind of nondescript. There wasn't enough there to really be disgusted by it. I mean, you know, you can see a little guinea pig, you, you know, quartered, right? He had a quarter of a guinea pig. My goodness. Oh, I can hardly walk. Um, anyway. But, you know, you, you eat it and, you know, you, you're thankful. Um, I did tell them, though, when I was preaching, I said, I don't know that God really likes guinea pig to eat because in the wilderness he rained down quail. Otherwise, he would have rained down cooey, right? And he didn't. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway. um, but you and I get into the environments, but, but, you know, it's a mistake to say it's my life and I know the environment I need. And I don't care who you are, you've said that, whether you've used those words, you've used your own words. That I don't need this particular environment, I don't need this event. And I'm not saying we understand. We have the mind of Christ. But God's thoughts and ways, it says, in Isaiah 55, are higher. <laughs> As the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways and your thoughts higher. They are higher and you don't always know God's thoughts except you know what He's promised and you can trust His promise. You can trust that God is bringing forth the very thing that you long to see. I know you long to see. I know you know you read Revelations where it says He's going to wipe away all the tears. He's going to get rid of all sickness and dying and, and, he, and you know he's going to bring together in one all things in Christ. You read those things and you have those promises. And you can count on those promises only because he promised. 
Not because of what it appears, but because he promised. So my responsibility is only to sow. And Paul says something as he goes on. And this is how family works. He says, I read it, always bearing about the dying that the life also. Then he says in verse 12, so then death works in us, but life in you. If you are sowing yourself, do you know what you minister? You minister life. You don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to give life. You offer yourself. And if you offer yourself, you minister life. Consider, <laughs> consider, David, what you do to the atmosphere. And don't try to fix it. You know, my, my girls get vexed with me because, well, they used to. Now, the relationship is pretty much perfected in a beautiful harmony. But because I, I talk in the morning, I sing in the morning, I do a lot of things in the morning. And at night, I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> you know, I just wind down. Uh, they call me a proverbial morning person. <coughs> but don't try to fix the table. I'm going to bring life to this table. You will bring something, and it might be irritation. That's been my experience. I'm singing for joy, thinking I'm bringing life. <laughs> There's no appreciation. Um, the only thing I can do is say, here I am, Lord, uh, again, and sow myself. And in sowing myself, really. There's death. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm giving myself for another to take me, you know, where I wouldn't go. Death works in us, always bearing about, that's the kind of dying. But when you do that, what you minister is the life of Christ. That's what comes out. And that's what brings together, too, right? The ministration of the life of Christ comes through you when you sow to this relationship. So I want to read one more verse. And that is in 2 Corinthians 8. Because this is how it works. Otherwise, it does not work. Okay? It doesn't work any other way. And Paul is talking about the Church of Macedonia giving. He's talking about offerings. And he says... <clears throat> um, he says, verse 3, chapter 8, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. And it is like that, isn't it? It's beyond your power to offer in, in the kind of environment that you find yourself in. And so that's why we say, Lord, help me. Here I am, but please help me, Lord. Um, praying us, and I think we had a psalm tonight about anointing us for this. We need that anointing. Praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. In verse 5, this is a key for every single one of us. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first 
first gave their own selves to the Lord. Second unto us by the will of God. That's how it works. First, you give yourself to the Lord. And then, you give up to the rest by the will of God. But God help us to sow the eternal life, sow to this relationship. Because that's what brings together the kind of family that God's promised to bring forth in the earth with the name Christ. Amen. life-giving. Um, as David was speaking, this passage came to mind in Isaiah about what the Lord really requires. Because I think some of us have, have um, you know, we, we grow up learning to negotiate and we get really skillful at it and, and what to present and when to present it. And, um, and we can get by with it, but when it comes to our Heavenly Father, He, he doesn't buy into it. Like you, there is no negotiating with Him in as much as what, what He's really wanting. And um, it can be frustrating. You think you have something that, that, that could be useful to God and to His people, and then it's not received or, you know, and it's like, wow, you go, you, you can go down. But uh, I think God is, is really working in, in all of our hearts in, in ways to, to really wake us up to what he really does want from us. And this, this line that is, is like, it's been a high watermark that, that all we can do is really present our bodies. You think of, Three or four different ways to say that and, and to identify what that means. For each one of us, it may be different. But I have little to offer God other than to, to really yield. And, and at times when it's most difficult to do. Perhaps that's when it counts the most to God. And He is aware of the time that you check yourself. I appreciate it. Um, Last week when we were sharing about closing breaches and at the end of Friday, Jeff got up. And he was talking about um, uh, his wife, right? And how she really, she stopped him like an Abigail. She checked him just in silence. But didn't, didn't have to do anything else. It just, that spoke, that got his attention. That's what was necessary at that time. He didn't have, she didn't have to come up with a crafty way of trying to bring it across and 
I say this and he'll, he'll respond. No, just her silence. That's what the Lord required of But this is in Isaiah, you know. We'll close with this and this. Okay. When you come to appear before me, this is a Berean Bible. When you come to appear before me, who has required this of you? This trampling of my courts. Bring your worthless offerings no more. That's a wake-up call. I mean, some of us have really spent ourselves. Some of the time I know I've spent, I, I'm not going to get it back. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it, and I'm working hard to correct. Because i got so much energy left, and I need to make good on it. But just looking back, there's areas where I've, what I thought was very important at the time, I could see, and I thought I was really helping, or I was really doing the highest. And um, I don't know anymore. You, you know, you couldn't have told me then. But now I, I see, you know, I would, I would do things a little different. But when I see others following my same footsteps, I don't, I don't always uh, cover them without a word like Jeff's wife, Grace, did. Sometimes I speak up, but when you learn something, you, 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 know, you get it. Sometimes it's the hard way of learning. I cannot, he says here, bring your worthless offerings no more. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moves, Sabbaths, convocations, services, all those things. I cannot endure iniquity in a solemn assembly. I hate your new moon. That's pretty strong language. An appointed feast. They have become a burden to me. It's like, wow. The, the, the performance or the thing that we think is beneficial can be a burden to, to God. I am weary of bearing he doesn't weary, but he's weary of that, of bearing our misgivings and offering anything other than our, our life. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you multiply your prayers, and I've been on the theme of prayer, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash and cleanse yourself. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. And plead the case of the widow. Anyway. Lord help us. If nothing else at times we just. Before we go charging in. Presenting something that we think. You need to hear this. Or whatever. Sometimes all we can do is just hold. You know just. Wait a while. The times I've waited a while and, and, and then it's become a little clear. It's like, I am so thankful I didn't run ahead with this offering or this whatever performance I, I felt to do. So Lord help us tonight.